You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case, and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So I use the saw to split the pelvis and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So, um, Take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Iowa Sportsman. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today... We have a very interesting episode. We're going to be talking with a friend of mine, John Mulligan, who last year accomplished uh, what not a lot of people, uh, actually, I don't think very many people accomplished um, ever, and that is to complete the North American Wild Turkey Grand Slam with a bow. And that means you have to shoot and kill four different subspecies. We have the Eastern, the Osceola out of Florida, the Rio Grande out of the Southwest, Merriam's out of the West, uh, and of course the Eastern here in uh, Iowa. And uh, this is his story, right? We talk about the similarities. We talk about the strategies that went into this, the planning, the preparation, the, di- the similarities and the differences between the birds. And uh, it's just a really good conversation with someone. And, and maybe you can, not only is this a cool story, but maybe you can take away something from this conversation that might help you find some success in the turkey woods this spring. So that's what today's episode is about. But before we get into the episode, we got to do a real quick commercial from our partners over at Quiet Cat. 
Have you ever considered using an electric bicycle to get deeper into the backcountry? Quiet Cat is the leader in off-road electric mountain bikes and will guarantee greater accessibility to areas that are impossible or extremely difficult to access. Compatible with an assortment of accessories, Quiet Cat is here to outfit your next adventure. Haul more gear in and haul your game out with Quiet Cat. You can check them out at www.quietcat.com. That's cat with a K, quietcat.com. So there's our commercial. You know what the story is going to be. It's a really good episode, so let's get right into it. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we are going to talk turkeys with my buddy, John Mulligan. John, John, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing, Dan? Oh, I'm anxiously waiting turkey season, you know? Yeah. Uh, shed season has kind of been like a bus for me. I don't know about you, but uh, it's... Uh, my farms all have been picked over and uh, I want to get out and uh, start shooting turkeys in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I actually, this year I was kind of transitioning over from some properties that I was hunting to some new properties. So I actually don't really have a lot of ground to go walk on yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a, yeah, it's been kind of a shame. I mean, I've only found four, yeah, four sheds. Yeah. One thing that I've done over the years, and it's probably, I, I hope it doesn't turn into a problem, is I used to have, oh man, 10 years ago, uh, seven years ago, just thousands, literally thousands of acres in Iowa that I could go hunt, right? And as we know, in the last 10 years, things have changed and uh, properties get sold or, or um, leased or whatever. And so I've been just focusing on a really good one farm uh, that you know, holds a good deer, has good turkey, you know, for the most part, I've always been able to shed hunt it and I can pretty much do whatever I want on it. But once that farm goes, I don't necessarily have a backup. So like in the next handful of, uh, like in the next couple of years, I really think I got to start doing a little bit more door knocking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of us, we can spread ourselves too thin, you know, and we're trying to, you know, you, you want more ground, but uh, this actually, this kind of, this topic came up with some buddies of mine the other day and we were talking about, you know, as hunters, um, we want to recruit more hunters into hunting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we got that working for us or maybe against us and I'll get to that point. <laughs> and, and then, you know, as you read more, um, there's a big trend for land management and yeah. let's not shoot immature deer. So let's. Let's manage several hundred acres. And so now each hunter is now commanding more ground and we have more hunters. Right. So we're kind of working towards the middle in a bad way. Yeah. And it's Iowa, right? And I was talking to a guy about this, uh, oh man, yesterday or the day before where I, I said, you know, Iowa, everybody thinks Iowa is great. And yes, the Mecca of Iowa is great. That Southern Iowa, you know, where, mm -hmm. where. Southeast Iowa, where I'm from, where you live, south mm -hmm. of Interstate 80, across the bottom of the state, is all money. Northeast Iowa, money. Eastern Iowa, awesome. But then you start heading northwest, and yes, there's some still some good deer hunting there, but it is all egg. Like all, all egg. All Every egg. <laughs> yeah, all egg. Like all the way up to the fence lines, right? Yep. They, they farm everything. Just ask the pheasants, right? And, um, and so what everybody does is they just flood down all the residents flood down into the best hunting spots in the state 
and that's the yeah. that's the public that's the the southern part of the state the eastern part of the state they hook up with family or whatever and mm-hmm. so it it is becoming difficult and i've had my experience and i'm sure you have have had it too where you just are you know there there's you got to have something in your back pocket just in case yeah and i you know a mutual friend of ours you know sam calora um you know i knew sam before i moved up here and and when I moved here, I remember him telling me, he's like, you're probably a couple of years too late. Yeah. You know, you kind of missed the heyday. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I thought, ah, you know, he's, he's full of it, but it's very much true. And, you know, yeah, it goes without saying you can find a piece of public, you can do a door knock, uh, during the rut, anything can happen, even not during the rut. A big buck yeah. could wander off of his home ground just wanting to stretch his leg. We hear about it all the time. I shot right. a buck, never seen him before, no trail camera pictures. He just showed up and I killed yeah. him. Best hunt of my life. All of take away all of the lottery ticket scenarios. Yeah. Um you know, you it's almost going to where you gotta have family ground. Yeah. Or you hey. gotta have some money behind you. Yeah, yeah. I just heard a, <laughs> there was a guy uh, who was on the podcast the other day, and he was uh, he was telling me that this is uh, other than timber return. Uh, some guy, some big guy, he he actually has what they call you know I'm not going to say it, but fu money, like where he yep, can, he can yep. do whatever ever he wants. Offered, I've heard of that. I don't know what it is. But <laughs> right. I've heard of right. That. I, yeah. Right. Right. And. Uh, uh, he he offered ten grand in for five hundred acres, ten grand an acre for five hundred acres, and he just bought he bought it was all timber, no no ag on it at all. So oh that is that blows my mind when my family owns ground in northern Iowa all ag, and you know everybody's talking about how you know the egg ground is so expensive it's not that expensive no <laughs> like that's crazy but that's no. that's what deer hunting's doing to people it is so. and i i do think obviously you know you and i are both in a good spot in the state yeah and where we hunt um but i i might have fell into the trap a little bit from what i saw before i moved here I might've been sold a little bit of snake oil. Oh yeah. You, you know what so? I mean? I, I think Iowa is a little overrated for what I thought it was. I'm yeah. not saying it's a bad state. I still think it's probably still the number one state. Yeah. But, um, you know, like if you were to rank it, I thought Iowa before I moved here had positions one through 10 and then it was Kansas was number 11. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but no, I, and, and I think it can be, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, I, I like it here. I love hunting deer here and I'm glad to be here, but, uh, there is not a 180 behind every tree. Like I thought there was <laughs> right. before I moved here. Right. Right. Maybe in the late nineties there were, but not, yeah. uh, not, it, not, uh, not anymore, man. Yep. hundred percent. So, but we're not here to talk about whitetails, although that's a, a rabbit hole that me and you could quickly go down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk turkeys because yes, I think you have a, a really unique scenario behind you. Uh, last year, you killed uh, a North American Grand Slam of turkeys, correct? Yes, sir. All right. And I want to get into that here uh, in just a little bit. But I'm going to ask a big, broad question right off the bat and just yep. ask you, why do you love turkey hunting? 
So I think for a lot of us that are not down south, because we know down south they grow up on turkeys, you right. know, they they eat it up. But um, I think for a lot of us, it's one of those things that fills the gap in the time. It keeps us in the timber. You know, we've been cooped up all winter. Uh, it keeps us shooting our bows or our shotguns. Um, so that was initially why I started doing it back in Kentucky where I grew up. I was like, well, there's nothing else to do. You know, I might as well get out there and try this. And then I did it and I thought, man, this is pretty cool. It's kind of interactive. Yeah. Which now um, that I've gone out west and done some western hunting, you know, now I see where people talk about it's poor man's elk hunting. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a lot of fun for me. And I mean, if I had to rank my animals, the my uh, wild turkey would not be number one for me personally, if I had to live and die by one species, but, um, but they're a ton of fun, man. Yeah. I love the interactive part of it. Yeah. I'll tell you this, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of people when it comes to whitetails or Western game, there's, there's, it's really strategy driven. And my favorite thing about turkey hunting is literally you catch a bird in the right attitude. You don't have to be good at doing anything. You no. can call you can call a turkey in, and uh, yeah. in the same breath, I almost have to say, and at the same time, they'll stump you just as bad as a, a big buck will because you're like, God, these these things have a brain the size of my pinky fingernail. How yeah. are they outsmarting me? Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, it makes you second guess a lot of stuff, right? And like like you said, when they're on, they're on, and when they're off, they're off. Um, you know, you've seen that. I mean, I remember. Uh, I remember some of the calling techniques from a 2011 hunt and, <laughs> and I remember that bird coming right in there. You, you know, so like turkeys are unique. Yeah. Um, but the other thing about turkeys that's, that always fascinates me is it's refreshing because we can all get caught up in the, is it a booner? Is it a five-year-old? Is it a six-year-old? If a turkey has a beard, I'm not talking about a stubby Jake. <laughs> right. If it has a beard, it is a legit Boone and Crockett to me. Yeah, it's getting all shot. Them. Right. They're all Booners. Right. Yeah, every one of them. Yeah. There's no passing Toms because of their age class. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember a couple of years ago, there were some guys on Facebook that did that video? It was genius. They set a camera up and it was kind of a parody outside the blind and they were filming themselves and they were like, Oh look, big Tom, big Tom. And then the guy picks up his bow and then he sets it down. He's like, just a three-year-old. He needs <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one. Dude, oh. I had tears running down my face, <laughs> but it was like, what if turkey hunting became, you know, what whitetail hunting right. is. Right. Or got uh, like a bir it, like upland birds flying up out of grass and just being like, exactly. ah, nope, can't, nope, not big enough. <laughs> yep. No, no. His, his, uh, his beak wasn't long enough. Right. He needs another year. Oh man, that's yeah. crazy. So, yep. um, so when it comes to like turkey season, you know, is it, I mean, is it something that you've become more fond of throughout the years that led you to the decision of, Hey, I want to try for a, a grand slam or, uh, is it just type, you know, like I have time this time of year, I might yeah. as well try it. Yeah. Well, it was, it was this past season. It was kind of the trifecta. Um, I had just recently launched a new turkey call company called Bourbon Barrel Calls. Yep. So I was needing to build some content. And then I also had a couple of new prototype calls that I thought, well, I need to just get out there and test them. 
and test with some different sounds and and to see I want to make them proven before I release them, right? Um, so there was that element to it. Then um, also through my show, Arrow Wild TV, I like to do turkey hunts. So I was like, well, I might as well try to get after it this year. So I made the, you know, opened up my big mouth and I was like, I'm going to try for a grand slam in one season with my bow. <laughs> and I went to Florida and I shot a bird down there and I'm like, man, I'm off to the races. Like yeah. we got a good start one out of four. And then Corona hits oh, and my. all the other States I was going to go to started canceling non-resident tags, you know? Right. Um, and I thought, Oh, well, this is going to get hard. So my wife goes, look, just, call it. I mean, there's nothing you can do. There's like a pandemic going on. Like it is what it is. No one's going to call you a quitter. Um, so I started doing a little more research and I found out that I could still make it to Texas and I could still make it to the black Hills and South Dakota. Uh, and obviously here in Iowa, I could go for an Eastern. So I thought, man, if there's a will, there's a way I might as well give it a whirl. It's nothing but miles. Yeah. So, uh, got started. Let me ask you this for, for, uh, a one Oh one or an entry level. Why don't you uh, talk to us about what a grand slam is and what species are involved in that? Yep. So the North American grand slam, as they recognize it by the NWTF would be one of each of the four subspecies, um, in that category. And that would include the Eastern Turkey, which is what we have in Iowa, uh, pretty much anything East of the Mississippi. Um, then you have the Rio turkey, which is mainly Texas, but then there's parts of, you know, parts of Kansas, there's parts of Oklahoma, uh, but it's still kind of that center, central, lower, you know, south central part of the United States. Yep. And then, uh, then you have the, um, the Miriams. Um, and the Miriams is going to be what I call a mountain, mountain bird. It's going to have the very white tips on the fans. Now, there are parts of Nebraska where they claim that they have Miriams, but if you talk to the purists, they'll say, no, those are all hybrid birds. Those yeah. aren't true Miriams. Yeah. So to get to a true Miriam, it's like, you know, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, Black Hills, you know, South yeah. Dakota, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the Osceola turkey, which now I was actually corrected by NWTF uh, last week. They are now just called calling it a Florida bird. Why? I have no idea. I don't know if it's, there's some confusion between the oscillated bird, um, or the Osceola. I don't know if there's, they're creating some confusion, but nonetheless, there's the Osceola. <laughs> I yeah. still call it that. Yeah. Um, and they're only in Florida. Gotcha. They are located in North and South Florida. Um, and in all honesty, they kind of look like an Eastern. They're just a lot smaller with a little more accent colors in the breast. You know, some more, you know how you get that effervescence of like yep. the orange, the green, the blue. They have a little bit more of that. Uh, that's a little more prominent. Gotcha. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And I mean, they're all a little distinctive with the beard length and the spur length, what they're known to have. And most of it is depending on climate and uh, terrain that they're they're covering. Yeah. All right. So you've hunted four different species last year. You were successful in, in with all four species. One thing that I mm -hmm. want to know, and maybe we could help out a guy uh, 
in the turkey woods this year. Was there, uh-huh. did you see similarities between birds, like when you would call at them or how they moved through the terrain or, or where they roosted or what they ate? You know, obviously that's different from every region of the United States, but um, were there any similarities between these species? Um, in all honesty, before I got started, I had always been told that all four birds are totally different. The, the, the way you hunt them is so different. Well, I only have one strategy, you know, it's like, you know, like when you go to the, you go to the club and you got one dance move, Mm -hmm. like all I got's one, I don't have anything (laughs) in the bag of tricks. So I went to the old faithful standby and that was call softly, then, you know, escalate to louder and then just be totally silent. Um, and it worked for me. I mean, I got, I got very lucky. Uh, I shot my Florida bird on day two. I shot my Black Hills bird on day one. Um, I shot my Rio on day one. And I uh, then I came back to Iowa to finish it up, you know, yeah. uh, the homecoming. And I shot it on day one. Yeah. So I got real lucky. We all know, like, turkey hunts don't go like that all the time. But um, I actually, in all honesty, Dan, I, I think there was a lot more similarities um, than not Um, so I I wouldn't overthink it too much. Um, you know, but also be adaptive. Yeah. I know that I did switch calls. Um, in Texas, I ran a slate call and that worked really well. I started out with a, with a crystal call and they wanted nothing to do with it. And as soon as I switched to the slate, they came running. I mean, they were there. I could see them at like 70 yards and they wouldn't come any closer. And as soon as I switched to slate, and they came running in, which was actually one of my prototype calls. And I was like, well, this one's a winner. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll put this one on the website. Right, right. So, you know, were all of your birds, were all of your birds morning, uh, morning birds? Um, they were all morning birds except for the Miriams. Um, the Miriams, I was set up in a spot in the Black Hills National Forest. Yep. And I could hear them everywhere. I mean, it was, but of course it's always hard to tell when you're in that kind of timber because they could be a mile away and they sound like they're right next to me because of all the echoes and stuff like that. But it sounded like they were 200 yards away. Um, and I could count six to seven toms, you know, firing off. And I'm like, why are they, they're just not coming in. They're just not coming in. Um, so I stayed put and I just went completely silent and I was planning on that whole, maybe, when the hens go to roost, nest, then uh, the toms will get lonely and start walking around. And and I was just about ready to doze off. It was like 1.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> and all of a sudden I hear a gobble. And I'm like, oh, okay, Am I, is it sleep deprivation or did I really hear a bird? So I just kind of poked my head up a little bit and I, and I heard it a second time. And then I just very, very softly Uh, gave some real soft yelps on a crystal call and I'm looking around, looking around like a periscope, you know, and, um, and five different toms all came into my decoy spread from every direction. Nice. So that, so, so it was, was it a, like, was it subtle? I mean, cause I'll be honest, you, this is literally how I hunt and I don't hunt with a bow, uh, 
because I don't have the time to hunt with a bow. Like I'm, I'm, uh-huh. I'm real mobile with my setup and I just haven't yeah. mastered the art of being mobile with a bow, uh, hunting turkeys. Uh-huh. Cause I like to run and, and move around and, and that's just kind of sure. how I, I was taught to turkey hunt. And I, I don't, this is how I, I go at, I call pretty much as loud as I can every time, uh, get trying to get them fired up. And if I hear one, get closer, get closer, get closer until I can see them and maybe set a decoy up and, and get them coming in. Um, mm-hmm. was, was there a, uh, like a, a trick to the calling that allowed these, uh, these turkeys to come in or was it something that, uh, you know, did you, did you think that the subtleties in the calling made a big difference or any call would have brought them in? Uh, no, I think the subtle stuff works. And, you know, I'm actually envious of guys like yourself that bounce around and can be mobile because with me, with a, with a tripod and a camera mm-hmm. and decoys, a chair and a blind, wherever I decide to set up at, I'm kind of pot committed. Yeah. And so for me, you know, I know that I have to get those things to come into like say 20 yards or 30 yards or whatever. Um, so I always will start soft and then ramp it up. If I've got one that's hanging up, uh, think about like if you've had like you grew up with a brother or sister and you want to fight them and you just keep antagonizing them, antagonize them eventually till they crack. That's my theory when it comes to, to Tom turkeys. Yeah. Okay. I just want to, I just want to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and escalating, and escalating and eventually get them pissed off where they want to come over right. and they want to beat up my decoys. Yeah. Did you feel that there was one species above the others that was more aggressive in either the calling or, you know, running into the decoys? Yeah. So in years past, I would have said that I thought the Eastern was the most aggressive bird this past the past two years, um, what I have seen with Easterns in Iowa anyways, is a lot of birds are getting hung up and birds aren't committing and, you know, stuff like that. Cause I had actually hunted. So in between Florida and Texas, um, I hunted like eight days in Iowa and I'm like, well, this will be easy. This will be a slam dunk. Yeah. And all eight days I had toms that were getting hung up. And I don't know if they were scared of the decoys or they just didn't like my calling or, you know, what the, what the deal was. Um, in, I would say that in the black Hills, uh, the, the, the decoys worked, but they paid no attention to my Jake decoy. Uh, all of the toms came in and just wanted to take advantage of my hens. Yeah. Uh, my hen decoys. So that was unique. I thought that was different that, they all came in and they were like, yeah, we're not going to fight you. We're just going to take your woman and you're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. But they're so, it, it, it is so unique with the time of the year. Um, but the other thing I'll mention is I always, always, always win, lose or draw will run two hen decoys and one Jake decoy. Okay. I've always done it. Um, I know that there's a million scenarios, run a Jake only, run a strutter only, run hens only. I have, uh, I have found that that's been the most consistent for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I got a, I went to Shields oh, a couple of years ago and I just went crazy on turkey decoys. I bought like three or four of them and mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I've found 
I wish I could sit here and tell you that there's a, uh, a strategy that I've found effective over the years when it comes to decoying, but I almost, uh-huh. I almost feel like I've killed more turkeys without a decoy than with, with a decoy setup. Uh, uh-huh. and, and it's almost like they see it and then they don't want to come in. They're getting hung up, you know, because they yeah. have, they have the real thing right there next to them as opposed to, sure. uh, you know, setting them up. And, and typically what I do is I'll, I'll set up first light. And then if one gets hung up, I'll make a move without a decoy. And that's when I kill them is on that second, yeah. on that second little move. And even if it's like turning the opposite way, uh, on a tree, you know, some, something real simple, but, um, yeah, what, what is, so you, you said two hens and a Jake, how far away from the blind are you, are you putting these, uh, these decoys out? Eight, uh, eight to 15 yards. Okay. In hopes of getting them how close for a shot? Um, right to, right to the Jake decoy. Okay. So you, I mean, your goal yeah, is I, 10 yards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I love for them to be right, right in up close. Um, you know, when I had those five birds come in, in the Black Hills, all four birds committed to hen decoys and they were one of them stood at like 12 feet from the blind. <laughs> yeah. And the one, and they all had little stubby beards. Um, so this was the one time in turkey hunting where I got a little, I got a little greedy and I looked off. There was a, there was one Tom that had a much, much larger, longer beard than the rest of them. Yep. And I used my rangefinder. He was 41 yards and I'm like, man, <laughs> Well, let's get, let's give her a whirl. I, I, you know, I like to think I'm a pretty good shot with a bow. So, um, I shot him at 41 yards and I was able to get him. Dang, bro. That's a good shot. (laughs) Reach, reaching out there a little bit on those birds. Right. So, um, you know, I think a lot of times we kind of take for granted, uh, how much, you know, for, let's just say for a turkey hunter or a whitetail hunter, we, we take for granted and I'm, I'm definitely guilty of this when it comes to whitetails, but, um, we take for granted how awesome whatever we have in our backyard is, right? If the turkey hunting oh, yeah. is in our backyard, the whitetail hunting, and then we don't really relate it. So outside of the eastern turkey, um, what other three species were probably your favorite to hunt? Uh, the Miriams, and it's simply location. Yeah. Um, I love west. I love the mountains. Um, you know, the Rio is kind of a creamy colored uh, bird, uh, the Eastern and the Osceola, like I said, they're very similar. They could be like big brother and little brother, but the Miriam having those white tips like that, yeah. it, um, it's just a beautiful bird. It's so unique and different from what we see here and the typical locations that you can go to chase Miriams. I mean, you know, I was, I was talking to a buddy the other day and I said, look, I turned 43 years old in 11 days. And it's not so much the species that I hunt, it's the locations yeah. that I get to go hunt now, that that's what's more important to me. Yeah. Because, you know, when you and I were younger, if we went on a hunt and we didn't punch a tag, we'd be devastated. Yeah. And now I'm like, well, at least I got to take some pretty pictures. Yeah. So I'm good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that, I'll, I'll tell you what, man, that's why I love hunting South Dakota. I, I mean... Uh-huh. I don't have access to any private out there anymore, but, uh, I tell you, I love that terrain and that landscape. And I, it's probably one of my favorite places to go now, even though I've only gone there two years in a row, you know, I'm not 
well, chasing how you. far how far are you from like custer and black hills and oh yeah area? so like real close you're pretty close yeah yeah nice. real close yep so yep, I, I don't get into like i i don't hunt in the actual hills themselves i can see uh-huh. them from where i'm at uh but it's more of a a flat drainage type of you know whatever but okay so now you you accomplish this goal i mean and it's kind of a big deal right it's a uh, one it's a grand slam in one season with a bow right i, I think that's uh, i think yep. that's really cool what did you learn uh in this time frame whether it's something specific about the turkeys or hunting strategy or just takeaways from that experience well, I think with a lot of people, uh, I know that you you have covered this topic before in some of your other podcasts and blogs is whenever you're destination hunting, you know, you definitely need to have a plan because typically your time is limited. So um, I would advise go aggressive. You know, day one, maybe go ease into it. Um, but then it's time to get aggressive because, you know, your days are numbered. Right. So that was the one thing that was the strategy that I had. Uh, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have all the time in the world. And I thought, you know, this is such a crazy feat to try that if I don't pull it off, I don't think anybody will give me crap about it. But so I was like, I got nothing to lose. Let's just go bombs away, chips all in. But I, I got lucky with, uh, you know, local Intel was huge. When I was in Texas, I had my buddy Ward, Um, He owns a company called Musket Powder Seasoning, but I got to hunt on his family's cattle ranch. So I had a little bit of intel about where the turkeys had been seen in years past. And that was huge, you know, so it wasn't like I was just going in, pin the tail on the donkey. And then um, in the Black Hills, uh, there's a there's a group of guys out there that uh, do uh, they do a YouTube series called Buckstorm. And I had met those guys and they were able to kind of drop a pin like, Hey, three weeks ago we drove down this road and we saw a pile of birds, yeah. you know, off the road in, in this general vicinity. So, I mean, I had a little bit of local Intel that was able to put me in the spots. Um, and then the rest of it was, you know, was on me, but that stuff is huge. So I, I would advise, you know, if somebody's going to go out on a destination hunt, um, you know, try to get a little bit of local Intel. If you have a chance to go out there and scout, um, ahead of time, that's huge. We all don't have that, but get after it, get aggressive and, and pray. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. That's uh, man, I, I tell you what, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, anything like you, you said you were corrected by the, the national wild Turkey Federation with the, uh, uh, with the naming of that, you know, the quote unquote Florida bird, um, yeah. you know, when it comes to what you accomplished, was there any, did you know of anybody else who has, have done the same thing as you? I, I personally don't know anybody that's ever done it in a single season and definitely not in a single season with a bow. Yeah. Um, the other day they actually, uh, they, they messed up, uh, NWTF, uh, messed up the spelling of my last name on one of my certificates. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah. So I called him and I was like, I hate to be a jerk about this, but I actually would like to get these things framed up. And, yeah. and I was like, is there any way I can get a reprint? And they're like, no, we're so sorry. And whatnot. I'm like, Hey, while I got you on the phone, I'm like, 
is your job to maintain the wild turkey records, you know, with NWTF? And she's like, yeah, that's that's what I do 40 hours a week. And I was like, awesome. Now, of course, I did. You know, you, you do have to pay for this. So I, I, I didn't have a problem <laughs> donating sixty five dollars to NWTF. But then I also wanted my name spelled right, too. <laughs> so I, uh, I was like, since I've got you on the phone, I'm like, did anybody else do a single season Grand Slam with any weapon last year? And she's like, no. And then she goes, oh, my God. And I was like, what? She goes, you did it with a bow. She's like, yeah, we don't see that very often. Um, even to register birds, yeah. but much less a, a, a single season, you know, grand slam with a bow. She's like, wow, that's really awesome. So she was, according to this lady, she could have been lying to me, you know, make me feel good. Like maybe like something my wife would do. Right. But she told me that I was the only person to do a grand slam last year with any weapon. Well, Technically, that's not true, John, and I'll tell you why. Because on three of the birds, it says Mulligan, and on one of the birds, yeah, it says yeah, Milligan. Yeah. <laughs> Milligan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know who that guy yeah, was. Yeah, right. Yep. Oh, yep. man. So that was pretty neat. And then, um, actually, our mutual friend, Sam Gaylord, yep. uh, down at Old Barn, um, I was in there yesterday, and Sam gave me the green, the thumbs up that he's uh, he's actually starting on my birds next week. Are you getting are you getting four full body mounts? I'm not gonna do full strut. They are full body, but I'm doing like uh I'm doing all four birds in like a dead hanging pose. Okay. Like I'm hung by their feet. So that way, you know, you get the wings half spread, the tail fans are half spread, enough to where you can see what the bird is. Yeah. Um, but man. Uh, I've got one full strut turkey. The first year I was in Iowa, I, I shot a 30 pounder and, and I went ahead and got him, him mounted. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to get all four of these birds done. And, and I think it'll be, I think it'll be kind of unique, something different, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man, uh, you know, aside from the, you know, the one dance move strategy that you were talking about, it sounded like you had a little bit of luck. Uh, on your side as well with uh, you know day one day one day two and then uh was the eastern the last bird that you killed it was okay. and it wasn't supposed to be yeah. i was trying desperately to kill an eastern in between florida and texas and was getting my butt kicked yeah um i actually had a bird that i shot at and i missed um he was 45 yards and i shot right under him so after I shot the third bird and I was making my way back to Iowa, I was talking to a buddy of mine, Billy, and he lives just outside of Des Moines. And I said, Hey, I'm cruising back through. And he's like, well, you got 14 days left of season. You know what I mean? To, to wrap this thing up. I'm like, well, I might need it because I hunted eight days, you know, and I couldn't get it done before. So I might need all 14 days. And he, I called him back and I was like, man, I'm dog tired. Like I'm about to fall asleep at the wheel. So he's like, well, just crash at my house tonight. So that way you're not on the road. And, um, so I went to his house, I curled up on the couch about midnight about to fall asleep. And he's like, well, you know, if we wake up at four, <laughs> he's like, we can make it over to my dad's farm and we can just go ahead and try to wrap this thing up right now in the morning. I was like, Billy, I am, I'm dead like i'm dying i've been on the road nonstop, and i was like well screw it i'm here i have my gear i've got one arrow left 
you know, enabler. He's an enabler. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, let's do it. So, and I think, I think for him, I think he kind of wanted to be a part of it too, you know, in the celebration and the fun and, and to try to see me pull this off. So, um, Anyways, we got up in the morning and we went to his farm um, there in uh, Tama County. I think it's Tama or Tama. 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 Yep. Yep. So um, we went to went to his his dad's farm out there, and the bird I ended up shooting, he I didn't shoot him till the third. He came in three different times. Like one time he came in on the back side of the blind, and we didn't have a window open back there, and then he came in another time on the side of the blind. And that's where Billy was sitting. So I, I couldn't get Billy. You know what I mean? I couldn't shoot through Billy. Yeah. And then, uh, and then finally the third time he comes in, in front of the blind to where the decoys were and, uh, made me, he made me kind of earn that a little bit. Yeah. That was actually kind of a late morning. It was like nine 30 or something like that. But, yeah. uh, yeah. So that was cool to wrap it up and, and it, and it felt good to, to do the last bird back in the home state. Right. Right. So, uh, so that worked out. That's but like the walk-off grand slam, right? That's like the walk-off, yeah. right? So, um, yeah. so now you have another a little bit of an ambitious goal here. You're going to try to do all of that again this year. Yes, sir. And yep. When does that start? Uh, March 20th is when um, the – well, Florida has technically already opened down south, yep. uh, like way down south. They do like a, a split season. Um but where I go just outside of Orlando, uh, it opens up March 20th. So yeah, man, I'm set to fly there. I mean, obviously if I go to Florida, I'm not going to make multiple trips to Florida. Right. So I'll be, I'll be there for four days. Um, and now that one, I'm actually going with an outfitter. Uh, they, they hire me to come down and take photos of all of their hunters in camp, you know, having a good time and hopefully shooting some birds and then I just get to bring my bow with me. I got you. So I don't, I don't get a guide or anything like that. Um, but I just get to sneak away. But if they call me, then I got to drop what I'm doing and I got to get back to camp to take photos. Cause that's, you know, what I'm actually paid to do on that trip. So, yeah. um, that's what I did last year, same joint. And, and I was able to come back to camp with a bird, with a, you know, with a bird over my shoulder and they're like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> so, um, I'm going to try that again this year, but if it doesn't work out, then, you know, grand slam goals are, are over. <laughs> yeah. I think, so, you know, I have, try. I have good vibes. I'm sending good vibes to you and I think you'll, you'll get the job done again this year, but I think the magic number to really cement yourself as the grand slam champion would be five, mm-hmm. five years in a row. Like the Tom Brady, of Gra- <laughs> <laughs> the Tom Brady of grand slams, <laughs> right? The goat, the goat. Yeah. yeah. Um, Man, I tell you, you know, I, it was funny cause I, I had somebody say, man, you just got lucky. And I was like, well, that's obvious. Like anytime <laughs> we hunt, there's an element of luck that goes into it. We all know that, you right, know what I mean? I right. don't care how good we all think we are. Yeah. Anytime we kill, there's an element of luck. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have to do it again, yeah. you know, and shut up this hater or yeah. something. But no, I, uh, maybe that's my Michael Jordan mentality. Right. Like I like a little bit of a challenge like that, but <laughs> we'll see what happens, man. I'm looking forward to it. Um, gonna, uh, gonna try. I've actually got some new stuff that I'm doing this year. I've got, uh, I've got some new gear that I'll be taking down there and, and really kind of learning and breaking in a little bit. So we'll see how it goes. Gotcha. 
So let's see here. Before we close her down, um, I want to talk. Uh, why don't you? Okay, let me back up. All of this is on film, right? All of it. Yeah. All of it. All right. So let everybody know where they can see this Grand Slam on video. Yeah. So you can go to uh, my YouTube channel, which is Arrow Wild TV, and uh, the episode is called Grand Slam. And you can uh, you can also go to Carbon TV, which is so uh, I, I call it the the Netflix of hunting. Right. But uh, it's free to sign up. Um, you will get some emails from them from time to time, but you can just delete those. But there's a ton of good hunting content that's on there. And I have my uh, my show has a channel on there as well called Arrow Wild TV. And um, it, there's that episode and, and several more you know, right. between YouTube and carbon TV. But yeah, if you want to check it out, that's where it's at. All right. And then lastly, if uh, a guy is needing a Turkey call this year, uh, where do we send them for bourbon barrel? Yeah. Hurry up because it's getting busy. Um, bourbon barrel game calls.com. And what bourbon barrel game calls.com is um, I'm from Kentucky originally, and I may have grown up and affectionately have a desire uh, for bourbon and the cool thing about bourbon is all bourbon barrels um, are made out of white oaks. And we all know that our turkeys prefer to, they like to roost in white oak trees. So um, I started the company Bourbon Barrel Game Calls, and all of my pot calls are all made from reclaimed bourbon, white oak bourbon barrel lids. Cool. And there's a lot of different models, a lot of different striking surfaces. They all come with a with a white oak striker, and five dollars from every purchase is donated back to NWTF and the White Oak Initiative. So, um, actually, you know what we ought to do, Dan, is um, let's let's do a little let's do a let's do a nine finger or sportsman's <laughs> nation, whatever you want to do. Let's uh, let's do a giveaway. Uh, let's, let's give a yeah, let's give a call away. I'll let you pick if you want to go nine finger or if you want to go sportsman's nation. But um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll do a custom call and we'll we'll give it away on your platform. Sounds good, man. Uh, I guess so. Uh, this is the Iowa Sportsman Podcast, so I don't know. Um, how, how do you want to set it up? What do, what do they have to do to win? Um, I think they they gotta they gotta follow along. I mean, I think follow you know follow Bourbon Barrel calls on social media. Follow Nine Finger Chronicles on social media and um, Iowa Sportsman on social media. Iowa Sportsman. Yep. 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 Follow and then, all three of those. Yep. Follow all three of those. And then uh, what? Let just let us know that that uh, everybody's followed. Uh, they can comment yep. on the uh, Sportsman's Nation Facebook page under this post when this launches uh, and uh, and just say, hey, I followed along and uh, we'll pick a winner. There you go. Sounds good. Well, cool. I, tell, I tell you what, Mr. Mulligan, thank you very much for uh, taking time out of your day to hop on and, and chat about turkey hunting with us and uh, good luck accomplishing your Grand Slam this year. Dude, thanks for having me and, and good luck to you and, and, and to all the listeners as well. Um, it, it should be a lot of fun and I think all of us are glad that this snow is starting to melt and we can see the sunshine again. Mm-hmm.